Welcome to Farming the Depths of Eternal, a constructed podcast all about brewing. Each episode, we do a deep dive on a card and brew some decks around it and see how far we can take it. I'm Patrick or Padamaru Online, and this week we have I'm a Straight On again from WSG uh, to discuss uh, oldie but goodie. So uh, I asked I'm a Straight uh, what card they wanted to brew around, and they came back with Olene of Ermstead. Um, so first off, thanks for coming on. I'm Straight. Hello, I'm back again. Yeah, welcome back. And uh, also, I guess I just wanted to, you know, we, I thought this was kind of a cool pick uh, because it's still an expedition. So it, it's like a card that we haven't seen for a while, and yet it's still playable in all the formats. So it's it's kind of, I think as we get into this uh, episode, uh, I'll, dis- I'll discuss a little bit why I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't seen more play than it has. Um, but just... It, yeah. I think it's a very interesting card. It definitely has not seen as much play as uh, as it could it could see. It's 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 uh, I think it does a lot of interesting things. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like it saw a, a bunch of play when it first came out, and I think Rakana was pretty good in that original expedition format. And you know, there were cards like the Carnivorous Yearling and stuff. There was like that short window before they nerfed Rakano in that expedition that it was uh it did see some play but hasn't really seen play since i feel like yeah i think so and i think part of part of the reason like you mentioned Rakano is is likely just a function of the type of decks that are more viable or competitive uh and if Rakano is not as competitive it might be a difficult card to play because it has some pretty steep influence requirements it does though there's like you know i can't put my finger on it i just feel like they're is a deck right now playing F and J and maybe another color that's pretty popular that could potentially play, play this card. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know if anybody has come across, you know, any creation decks uh, lately, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, that could be an addition to that deck as well. Yes. You can't spell creation without F and J. Um, I think so. <laughs> Cool. But before we get into this card or even explain what it is, for those of you who don't know the card, um, I did want to check in. Uh, you know, last episode we talked about Catalyze and uh, no relation probably to the release of our episode. But I feel like Catalyze has gotten sort of more and more popular uh, since then, with uh, especially with, uh, I think, Mono Fire becoming very popular in Expedition. I don't know if you've come across this deck or how much Expedition you've played. Uh, in the last couple weeks. Yeah, I've been playing quite a bit of Expedition, actually. Uh, and you're right. And um, I know you say it's probably not related to the episode, but I like to think that it was very much related to our uh, to our previous episode. Uh, everybody heard it, and, and they just ran and started brewing. But uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't. Um, I mean, did, I did I, talk about a Mono Fire Catalyze throne list, and maybe they just adapted it to Expedition. I mean... The the threads are there. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, it is it is a legitimately powerful card, and especially in a in a format like Expedition, which is you know a little bit slower. You don't have as much card variance options to choose from. I I think the rise of Mono Fire is probably more popular right now than even Creation decks are. Um, easily accessible, easy for people to pilot. It's pretty straightforward. Not a lot of decisions to make necessarily. Um, it's it's come up though in other decks as well. I think there are some menace lists that play it. 
I, I don't think it's you know a staple in other decks. It's pretty staple in in Modifier though. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because after our episode, uh, uh, someone uh, mentioned on uh, the WSG Discord that a card we didn't mention that actually kind of funny fit a lot of the the criteria of a card <laughs> that you hoped Direwolf Digital would print eventually. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's Gravity Field, which is the four-cost uh, primal primal uh, relic that gives the last unit you played plus two, plus two, and flying. And then um, if Gravity Field goes to the uh, void, uh, if you have primal primal, the next unit you get uh, gets flying. And so this is actually a pretty interesting catalyzed target uh, because you can uh, discard it and then give hopefully the next unit flying and double damage. Yeah, um, it it's, goes back to that kind of order of operation that we were mentioning that maybe depending on other cards that get released, you know, you would otherwise think that discarding first with Catalyze is, is just strictly worse than uh, a card like Strategize where you discard after you get to draw the card so you have all that information. But with a card like Gravity Field, you're actually getting that benefit uh, right away whereas if you were to discard it uh, for uh, if you were to draw first then discard it then your your unit with flying is still on top of your deck versus if you're playing catalyze uh, you're discarding that card and you're getting the effect sooner than you would otherwise not only that you you kind of have a double effect um, if if one of the units that you draw within your uh, with if you do draw a unit within the top two cards with your with your cat uh, with your catalyze then you end up also giving it flying so not only do you get double damage, but you add that evas evasion factor that you were talking about last episode, uh, which is very strong with that double damage as well. Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of tried to brew up some uh, different Skycrag lists with uh, Gravity Field and Catalyze. It is kind of interesting because it does... <laughs> I kept coming up <laughs> with this question when you had a, when you had like over four power and a Gravity Field and a Catalyze in hand. I was like, man, don't I just want to give my plunk plus two plus two and flying that's on the board? And so <laughs> there was still some tension because like Gravity Field is actually kind of good when you play it also. Yeah. So I was like never quite sure whether I should be like discarding it for value or just like playing it and trying to win the game. Yeah, that's a very interesting interaction. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play uh, play around with it, but now that you mentioned it, I definitely will. I do find those kind of circumstances kind of interesting where there's a little bit of tension yeah. uh, between ideas. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was a cool deck, and I, it felt pretty powerful, so I'm going to keep iterating on that. And then also, uh, Cassandrith recently uh, posted uh, a burn deck, a Skycrag burn deck, using... Um, uh, Torque, uh, I forget his whole name, Snowball Crafter, uh, Collectors, uh, Create a Card. Um, the 3-3 three, three, uh, Skycrag card that you can, um, oh geez, I'm forgetting all the words. Uh, you, you, could get, you get to contract to, um, to draw a Snowball uh, yeah. when you play him. And then when, you, when your next turn comes around, assuming he's still in play, uh, you get to discard a card um, to create a uh, sled. I don't remember the name of the full name of the sled, but the sled uh, increases the power, the attack of your uh, yetis, 
by one, I believe, and also increases the damage your spells do by one. Yes. Um, so that's pretty nice complement to giving your spell double damage as well, because it makes a big difference just by increasing it by one and increases it by, by two, essentially, the it, damage that your spell would do. Exactly. So pretty cool list. Um, yeah. So I guess, should we go on to the main, uh, main topic? Let's do it. Cool. All right. So our card this week is uh, Olin the uh, Olin of Ermsteed. Stead. I never know how to say that. Um, which is I, I'm not sure how to pronounce things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a, a three fire fire justice justice two two, uh, and its text says when Olin attacks, uh, you get plus one power this turn. And then its summon ability is you may move another unit of your choice without flying to the top of your deck spending your remaining power to give it that much attack and health. So Olin has a lot of text, and I think there's a lot going on in this text box. So I think the first thing we should do is kind of break down its uh, different parts. Um, yeah. Yeah, so first off, you know, if it survives and you can attack with it, uh, which is sometimes hard to do because it is a three cost two two, you get to, you know, a temporary ramp, which uh, I think turns out to be helpful sometimes. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then its summon ability is a tutor, except you don't draw the card. You put it on the top of your deck. And I don't think there's really a lot of cards that are similar to that in Eternal. Um, you know, because we do have some tutors... You know, we have like Press Gang. Um, there are a bunch of spell tutors. There's like the five and six cost primal ones that are like unconditional. We have cards like Reweave and Dragonforge um, that all kind of, you know, Dragonforge, you, you draw the card. Reweave, you sort of play the unit. Um, and so we have a lot of these conditional effects, but there's, it's hard for me to evaluate the sort of what it, a tutor is where you're not drawing the card. So there, it's like a, a delayed tutor. Yeah, it's there's one more card that, that does a very similar effect. It's Rusian's Choice. Um, that card is a spell, and it's a fast spell, so it's it's a little bit different than, than this, but uh, it, it does two different things. I don't actually remember... Oh no, I do remember both sides. So it gives you the option of giving double damage to one of your units. Uh, that's option number one. And the other option is you get to search your your deck for a unit and place it on top of your deck. So it does, um, it's like a mini, uh, it's 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 like a, Olin is, is a little bit like a an acceleration unit with a, with a Rusian's choice effect on it, uh, tagged on. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that no, that's a great that's a great call out. And um you know what's interesting about Olin over Rugen's Choice is uh Rugen's Choice just always puts you down a card in a sense because you're not getting a body with it. While Olin right. does have a body attached. It's a small body, but it but it is something. Um but we do know cards like Rugen's Choice have seen play, you know, um you know, a lot of different decks that you play, are, yes, I feel like, are definitely <laughs> Rujin choice decks. So, um, 
uh, eccentric officer was a Rujin's choice deck. Um, it was. Uh, I even jammed. I even somehow made uh, Overloader into a four-color deck so that I could play Rujin's choice pretty much specifically. Um, and you're right that you go down a card, and intuitively, especially the the better players get really hung up on card advantage in general in the game. Um, but there's a sneaky part to that is if it's a very strong effect when you're trying to find specific pieces to what you're trying to do, it, you can, you can take some pretty big, um, you know, card negative disadvantage situations just for the sake of getting to you, to the cards that you're looking for to win the game. And it, it really ends up not not mattering in the long run because you just win the game. You're not going to win by card advantage at the end of the day. You're going to win because you found the two, three different pieces that you need to find in order to, to kind of get everything together. Um, and honestly, that is what interested me in Olin at the beginning more than, than anything else. Um, being able to search your deck for for any particular unit, almost, in this case, it's it's slightly, you have less options because you can't pick flyers. But being able to search for any unit is is inherently a very powerful effect. Um, it's very open ended, so it's it's kind of what whatever you make of it. Um, although Olin is at least, it's easier to play in a fairer deck and still have it be a, a strong effect because, like you said, you do get that body, you get to to accelerate by a power if it sticks around for a turn. So, for example, you can go tutor your 5-drop, and then next turn you can attack and play your 5-drop. Um, it, it, it does have a, a different uh, underlying effect than, than Rujin's Choice, which is just simple. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I thought about as I was th- you know, thinking about this card more is just, like, just how similar they are it is to, to merchants or smugglers. Um, you know, it's like, because this, a smuggler also is not card advantage because you're trading a card for another card. And so in, in that sense, it's very similar. You're getting like an under statted body for this card selection. And uh, in the case of a smuggler or merchant, you know, you get access to your five market cards that you chose. But in Olin, it's like a, a different um sort of restriction you know but you get to choose any unit from your deck as long as it doesn't have flying and you know as long as you and that allows you to kind of toolbox your deck out a little bit as like one way to play olin so if you're not like you know one way to play olin is like to look for a very specific card um you know like you did in um uh when you were talking about overloader combo where you were just looking for overloader and that was uh that was rujin's uh choices main function but with like olin you can or rujin's choice but um you know you can look for these toolboxes, these like one ofs in your deck that these like silver bullets possibly right and uh so i think making the comparison to merchants is kind of interesting to me because you know one of the formats that uh we play doesn't have any market access right now and so uh, that was that kind of excited me uh, excited me 
to think about Aline is the fact that maybe you could turn Aline into like a pseudo merchant for Expedition, uh, especially because in the Expedition card pool right now, there are a lot of units that have sort of different effects. You know, you can grab like uh, Gorilla Barbarians to deal with relics or uh, a silence unit or whatever, you know, and so you can kind of take advantage of the, the, of the sort of high impact summon units that we have right now. Yeah. And I, I know we're going to get to kind of your deck in a, in a little bit here, but yeah, you have the option of, of tutoring some of the contract one drops that, that are different. One that gives lifesteal. If you are in need of that kind of effect, maybe you get the charge unit because you're able to, and to make that unit much bigger with a, the other part of Olin's effect that we haven't really expanded on too much yet. Um, which I also think it makes for some interesting considerations on how you play the card within your turn. Um, but yes, like you're saying, there, there's probably a lot of situational cards that you can have in your deck if you're playing Olin, where you can draw them at the particular situation that you're looking for. Um, or you can just always opt to, you know, get another Magnaventress on top of your deck because that's maybe the, the best unit that you can draw in succession and you can just keep playing a Magni every turn yeah. um, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you know, one other uh, point about it's like merchant-like abilities. It's, it's kind of cool to think about with Olin. It's almost like uh, pre-black market <laughs> um, markets where you know, you used to be able to play three cards main deck and one in the market. And then so if you had enough merchants, you had you had a lot of access to a card. And Olin kind right. of gives you that, where if you have four of a copy of the card you want, plus four Olin and, and your deck, then you sort of have eight ways to hit this one card, which is, uh, you know, also sort of an interesting um, part of this. But yeah, let's go into its uh, second uh, second part of this card, or however many parts we're at, the last part. Which, uh, well, part, yeah. which is, like you said, ha very interesting and has like a lot of tension and uh, makes for really interesting decisions when you you play it, which is uh, spend your remaining power to give uh, it, uh, being the unit, that much attack and health. And um, so the first thing is when you play Olin, your turn is essentially over because you, you spend your remaining power. So unless you have a zero cost spell, or uh, unit or whatever, you're, you're sort of done with your turn. Um, and so whether you play stuff before Olin, um, and then, you know, so you have this tension when you play Olin because, like, it's going to end your turn. And so you, you kind of have to decide how big you want this unit that you're tutoring to be and whether you're double-spelling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to spend some power before you play Olin to do something else, then play Olin afterwards um, and use up your remaining power. Um, those are kind of some interesting considerations. Do you want to make the unit on top of your deck bigger? Do you want to play something else that turn or just Olin? Um, and I know that you mentioned that your turn is over. And I think this is where my kind of my attraction to the game's nuances uh, like heightens my, my senses because. Uh, if they didn't have an effect like using up your remaining power, being able to set up some 
maybe overly powerful unleash effects uh, would become pretty easy uh, because you'd be able to definitively know what the top card of your deck is and then play Miner's Musket um, afterwards. So Miner's Musket is the two-drop uh, relic weapon uh, that, that's a 2-1, and when you play it, it reduces the top uh, unit of your deck by two. So hypothetically speaking, the fact that you're using up the remaining power in your turn doesn't quite make it possible for you to um, to do that, um, to, to, to play that Miner's Musket. However, if I were to look very closely, you get a couple of different things that maybe you could you could do to, to to mitigate that effect so you could hold a power in your hand play olin play a power afterwards now you have one power remaining for your turn if somehow olin had charge um he could also attack and then generate a power and now you have two power remaining for your turn you can maybe sneak in that miner's musket uh, for example so there are some kind of really interesting nuances that i think that still exist within that effect of how to really make decisions to maximize exactly what you want um, out of something that seems otherwise limited. Yes. And I, I think Miner's Musket is a great example for that. You know, another card, uh, the card we've been talking about quite a lot, like, you know, being able to play an Olin and then play a Catalyze also seems like, right. <laughs> like a very, very exciting. Um, and so it's interesting to think about how you might be able to do this. Um, you know, one way I managed with my deck was to Miner's Musket, a Miner's Musket, which then allowed me to um, do that play that you said because my Miner's Musket was a, a zero cost. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so... Uh, a lot of interesting synergies, I think. Yes, so then I guess I just wanted to talk about quickly before we get into the decks is like what types of units are we trying to get with Olin? I feel like there's a, a few categories uh, of units, just like uh, broadly speaking, um, you know, if we're just talking about the buff that Olin gives, you know, like overwhelm, uh, charge, unleashed are all, you know, great keywords to, to grow bigger. Um, you know, and I think especially in this expedition, Unleashed is, uh, you know, a, a pretty big one, like turning your gorilla uh, barbarians into, you know, giving them plus three, plus three, or, you know, like a tinker unionist, give, making that bigger or, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty exciting, I think. Yeah, ability wise, or like you're mentioning, Unleashed is definitely a very strong consideration increasing the size of those units then multiplies it many many times over unionist in particular by themselves by itself is a pretty cheap unit so if you know that you have the relic um that you can have a relic in play then then you know that you can put that kind of unit above your deck and, and only for two power you can make a lot of copies of it it also has taunt which is a very very strong mechanic and the way that i was thinking of, of units when i first saw this card what I started filtering out in the client so I could kind of figure out what potential it had, I, I saw it in two different ways. The first is you're either looking for four drops that you would like to play before attacking on your next turn, or you're looking at for five drops potentially that you would like to play after attacking. So I had that in the back of my mind and I started filtering through 
um, the different options that we had. So Magnaventris is, is, a, is a four drop. It fits really nicely um, in the curve that you could tutor on top of your deck so that you can play it on turn four. Um, I, I'd never found a, a good five drop unit that I, I thought was an excellent sort of post attack, something like that may have had onslaught or something along those lines that would enable you to be able to not only tutor it pretty effectively, but also utilize the plus one power that you get after Olin attack. Um, but there could be something in the future as well. So that's the way that I was thinking about it in terms of costs of different units. But the abilities that you mentioned were also very important. So like Overwhelm, Charge, uh, Unleash, all, all of those would benefit greatly from, from being able to get that additional power boost from Olin. Yes. And then I've, none of them really see play, but there are units that, you know, do trigger off of or have abilities that get better if their power is buffed. You know, the, the one that you actually can't hit um, with Olin is uh, like Reva. You know, it deals damage equal to its strength. And, um, and then you gain power equal to how much damage it does. And like, I would play in, in my deck, in my Olin deck that I made, a Reva without flying. If it just everything was, it was a five cost, did everything the same, just didn't have flying, I'd, I'd be in love with that card. Unfortunately, they gave it flying. And so you can't get it with Olin. But, um, you know, like cards like that, you know, there are cards like uh, Terra Ever Loyal which is a, a card, uh, a three cost JJ, um, three, three, where you give one of your other units four cry two, but when it dies, it doubles the attack. So, it, you know, if you're tutoring something like that, or this is more uh, of a meme card, but it did see a little play. There's Milos's Unwavering Idealist, which is a three cost Ricano card. That's a one, one. And when you play another unit, it gets plus attack and health equal to Milos's attack and health. So there are units out there that do get better the bigger they are. And so that's like another avenue of cards to look at for Olin, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's one of those cards that I think like Catalyze um, that we were talking about last week that just it just has a lot of potential for the future. Yes. Like maybe right now, uh, it's kind of a niche thing with some ideas, but there might be something in the future that that gets printed that all of a sudden makes this bloom into something very, very competitive or very strong and potentially even needing to be um, adjusted, like nerfed in some way. All right. And then the, the final thing, and this is a question I have uh, for you straight, is, you know, you suggested this card. And as you mentioned last episode, you play a lot mostly thrown and so you think a lot about throne and throne decks and stuff and so with the fact that we do have merchants and so many good market access what about olin makes you excited for its playability in throne excellent question um so there are situations where you don't want to go to the market for for something you maybe want to be playing it in your deck um something like an overloader situation you you often you may require multiple pieces of the same card um, as you are doing the combo that you're trying to do, um, and that's one of the big reasons, for example, that Overloader is is in the main deck as opposed to how initially it was being played in that kind of deck where it was in the market. Um, another could be that you're trying to dodge exploit effects, 
So you putting a card on top of your deck is inherently more difficult for the opponent to interact with than it is being put in your hand. If I were to go to the market uh, to get my eccentric officer, and I know I'm mentioning eccentric officer, I think we're going to look at that deck later, a little later today. Um, if I go to my market to get my eccentric officer for my eccentric officer combo, one of the really big ways that the opponent has to fight against that combo is to time their exploit in a very, very precise manner. Just wait, hold it until I've gone to market, and then play exploit. And essentially, that deck would lose the game um, at that point because it really needs that one copy to be to, to come into play. If I'm playing the eccentric officer in my deck and I'm placing it on top of my deck, unless I'm playing against uh, a deck that has the ability to uh, discard the top of my deck in, in, in the, that matter of that turn, uh, then it becomes more difficult for my opponent to interact with it and it allows me to do the effect that I want to do more reliably. Um, it also has the ability to accelerate by a turn by giving you that extra power, which also works out very, very eff effectively with with, uh, with that card. Um, the last thing I want to say about it is um, is a three cost card, and it makes it makes it a potential for a crescendo market. Um, so I had spoken briefly last time about me thinking that the the market spells, the very low cost market spells, are some of the strongest market effects in the game and that i think that eventually all of them will be nerfed just like um transpose and and salvo did uh but but i i, I think that it is a consideration to keep at the back of our minds at all times as well is that it is a three cost spell and therefore it could be grabbed off of crescendo yeah no that's or, that's an interesting uh thought that i that hadn't really occurred to me um i like that cool so like I do whenever we, we pick a card and we do these episodes, I kind of go to Eternal Warcry and look the card up and see what's out there. And uh, the first thing I noticed was, because I, 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 like you, play more Throne than Expedition, I noticed a dearth of, <laughs> of Throne decks with uh, Olin in it. Um, and then also not many decks in Expedition either, uh, especially past... Um, that one sort of sh short-lived meta where Rakana was everywhere. Um, and so I did, you know, like there were from that open, you know, there were a few decks like Alex Fierro had a, a top four deck in that open with that Rakano and Olin in it. Um, and then the most uh, recent deck is uh, from a user named Circus. And again, it's a, a Expedition Argentport deck and it's very similar to to those uh to those the decks from that format except it's been updated a little bit with uh you know the set um 13 cards uh, with unleashed cards and some of the promos that have come out since then but it's kind of playing olin i just kind of what you talked about in just like a fair mid-range aggressive mid-range deck right you know, it's not it's not doing anything special. It's just it's playing a Rakano aggro deck. It just happens to have uh, four Olins in it. So, 
what do you think uh, I can explain the deck real quick? You know, it has a uh, it has uh, three Battlefront Dashers, three Ankle Cutters, three Argent Port Nobles, four Miner's Musket, two Oni Insider, four Barbarian Gorillas, four Blade Smash, four Carnivorous Yearlings, uh, four Chizue, four Helena Sky Guide, four Olin, three Parliament and Elders, uh, four Scale Sworn Patrol. I imagine this was before Scale Sworn Patrol was uh, nerfed, and then um, five give or four five cost uh four give chase so what is olin bringing to a deck like this do you think so like you mentioned this is a definitely a more straightforward just aggressive deck it's just going to use olin for consistency more than anything else it's going to go find its good pieces it has some of the abilities that we were talking about it has that battlefront dancer for example to to get that late game charge unit um it has kind of the miner's musket interaction with um does it have any unleash effects yeah it, it has barbarian the... gorillas and it has oh it um, does have the gorillas yes yeah and it has That's parliament it. Okay. elder but you oh the elder as well yeah. yes 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 but you can't tutor the elder no. um it just happens to have that interaction in there the big thing that stands out to me is give chase i think the interaction between Olin and Give Chase is like incredibly strong. Um, if you play Give Chase and one of the units that you pick from your Give Chase is Olin, that just it's really hard to beat. Mm-hmm. That's because um, you're then tutoring what you want for next turn. Yes, and you get to do it again the turn after um, because they return back to your hand. You also get to generate a power. So if if you do have you know, a one drop that you really wanted to play, or potentially you you can you can more easily do that interaction that I was mentioning before. So if you have not played your power for your turn, you you spend five power, you play give chase, one of the units that you play is Olin, then in essence, when it attacks, you generate a power, you can play your power for the turn, and now you have two power to make an additional action. So I, I mean I think the interaction between those two cards is very, very strong. Yeah, no, I I, I... That's a great one to point out. Uh, cool. So I think I want to lead from this deck into the deck that I've been uh, playing around with, uh, which is also just a straight Rakano deck uh, in Expedition. And it, it's, I guess I won't say it's similar. It's not similar at all. There are some uh, cards that overlap. But, you know, what What? What I was doing when I was thinking about how to best use Olin is I was just thinking about some of the cards I thought it would be best with. And w w the thing that stood out was Unleashed uh, in Expedition and just how strong it is to give those Unleashed units um, buffs. And uh, I was thinking about, well, in Rakano, what are your options for Unleashed? Uh, one of them is uh, Tinker Unionist, and um, and then I was and Barbarian Gorillas, which are you know two great things to get with Olin, um, uh, because one Barbarian Gorillas uh, gives you that flexibility to deal with say any powerful relics that <laughs> might appear in Expedition currently, um, and being able to tutor up uh, a way to deal with them is pretty pretty good. Uh, then Tinker Unionist just as a two-cost unleash. Being able to buff that up is really powerful. And then the uh, other card um, that I thought about as 
maybe like I think just the one of the most powerful unleashed cards there are that's just hard to find a home for and that's a striding skyline which is the seven cost uh fire fire um seven seven with overwhelm un unleashed unit where if you sacrifice a relic you get to um you gain seven power so you can keep playing it for however many uh relics you have and i was i just thought to myself well Olean can just like guarantee you get your skyline when you need it. Um, and so that seemed like a pretty powerful end game option. Um, I then went to Eternal Warcry and looked up what relics <laughs> were an expedition. And uh, <laughs> you were disappointed. <laughs> I, was, I was a little disappointed, but I still, uh, I still, you know, I forged on. <laughs> <laughs> with this experiment. Um, well, let me just say that uh, even in your disappointed uh, in your disappointment, I can I can tell you that boy Skyline is 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 a card that I it's another card I was very very excited about in general. Um, and I tried to make work in many many different ways. Um, in Throne in Expedition with reanimation uh with all sorts of different approaches because like you mentioned it generates the power that essentially you spend on the card um now if you spend less power on the guard it actually generates more power um but but basically you get to make a seven seven for every relic that you have in play and when you shared this list uh i i would be lying if i would said i didn't i didn't have a big smile on my face uh because i was excited to see it in it uh and like you said it's it's really cool. You don't have to pack your deck with all four of them and then have a bunch of difficult to cast dead cards in your hand. But when the right when the time comes, you can easily um, put up put one on top of your deck, and really you will only need one when you when you need one um, to, to to play uh, later in the game to make you know a board full of seven sevens and. And if your opponent doesn't have a sweeper, it's pretty much over. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, a 7-7 seven, seven Overwhelm is already pretty good. And then, it, you know, if you make them 9-9s nine or 10-10s ten or whatever with Olean, you know, you just have lethal right there no matter what their board state is almost. So let me, I'll read out the, the deck right now. So uh, to start with, I have a 3 Battlefront Dasher, uh, 4 Catalyze, Four Hour of Kodash, Four Hour of Shavka, uh, Four Miner's Musket, Four Tinker Overseer, Four Tinker Unionist, Three Barbarian Gorillas, Four Mystical Shackles, uh, Four Olean, Four Parliament Elder, Four Soulfire, Two Riva, and Two Striding Skylines. Um, yeah, so I, you know, the like I said, when you look up relics in Rakano. It's uh, it's not super exciting, which is kind of weird because Justice had a relic theme in this format and in draft, and yet there just are not a ton of great relics um, to to support that theme. And so I I am playing the eight uh, eight hours, um, though you know because I was doing that and because we've been talking about Catalyze so much, I was like yeah. It's actually not that bad. You know, you like you play an hour, you draw a power, 
you can then like late game uh you can discard the power you know so it, it's like yeah. they they replace themselves so that has some use in the deck the main problem is just it's so slow to to, to spend two to draw a power but it does yes. um it does synergize you know that's why i have the tinker unionists which get turned on a tinker overseer uh slowly grows <laughs> by playing these hours um and then you have the striding skyline sort of end game um and then because uh, and then because i was playing these unleashed i have course put a miner's musket in there and then because you're playing miner's musket you're like i might as well put a parliament elder because if you hit that with a musket you know that's even though it doesn't uh synergize with olin um it's just a good card and it helps you get to seven power um and shackles is a great card because it gives you interaction it leaves a relic and honestly if you're sacrificing the shackles to your to your skyline giving your opponent a three two it really doesn't matter when you have you know four or five seven sevens in play the three two is really not going to make or break the whole situation exactly um and then the other interaction i'm playing with soul is uh soul fire i don't really know if that's right or if it's too cute but you know because it plays so well with miner's musket and with catalyze that's kind of what i went there with I was just going to say, it, it's a really interesting deck. I really want to uh, pilot it a bit, uh, get get to, get to play a little bit of Expedition um, so I can get a, a better sense of things. It's pretty exciting. Um, I don't know if you can tell that my excitement uh, is it, much higher than it was when we were talking about the first two decks that we talked about, <laughs> just because it just inherently has more kind of cool interactions, more combo-y things. I, I love the shackles because it's it's something that is is an interaction piece that later acts as a as a as a synergy piece for your skyline. Uh, I think, like you mentioned, both the hours are are fine um, because of catalyze because giving you the additional um, power that you need. One of the issues when you play cards like Olin that prevent you from drawing the next card instead to to draw something else is that you often run short on power because you don't get to 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 get that additional draw step to see if you get an additional power or not which inherently playing the hours would help uh would help with um perhaps you know in this deck instead of trying to do some aggressive stuff with tinker tinker overseer it it could have interesting interactions with the there's a two cost zero four i don't remember its name it has aegis and it says Whenever the opponent plays a unit, that unit gets minus three, minus uh, minus zero until the en the next turn. So it could be something in a in a slightly more controlly, slightly slowing down your opponent while you're doing your your powerful things a little bit later in the game to kind of try to fight those aggressive red decks that we were talking about with Catalyze and and a lot of charging units. Um, it, perhaps there's some other kind of approaches that could be taken with this as well. Yeah, I I agree. I, I actually like the look of that. Yeah, Tinker Overseer is just, like, not that great of a card. It's not that great in this deck. I mean, because, like, all your relics cost two, so it's, like, really slow to get it off the ground, and it's kind of aggressive. It's it's I've mainly used it as a blocker. Mm -hmm. So finding something else 
in that slot is pretty good. You know, like the other kind of weird, you know, I have two Rivas in here. And again, that's just with the, um, because it's a strong card and it works great with Miner's Musket and with Catalyze. You know, like if you're really trying to go all in, that's another card that can kind of be switched around. Yeah, it gets you from five power to seven power the, the turn after you play it. Exactly. Without needing to make another power drop. Then the other thought, and I, I didn't really explore this uh, avenue yet because uh, power bases scare me, but you know I think adding time probably could add something to the deck if you can handle the the sort of FFTJJ power base. Um, you, you know, there's uh, time has some better relics in it. Um, it also has some interesting unleash cards to play. Um, so, you know, that's another direction that this deck could go. Well, I can add one more card to your list there if you're adding time. Um, just simply because I, like I mentioned, I did, I, I, I have tried the skyline kind of in many, many different, um, many different kind of approaches. Uh, primarily the, the more successful ones were thrown, admittedly, but, um, Exodus is a, a very cool card to play with Skyline. Um, so one part is obviously it has dual inscribed, so it would help you with those influence requirements that you were mentioning. Uh, but secondly, it as the last part of your chain with the last seven power that you generate, uh, you just cast Exodus and then you immediately attack with three, four, five, eight, eight. Uh, striding skylines uh, the turn that you play it and you don't have to worry about whether your opponent has or doesn't have sweeper effects uh, on their turn because you just win outright on your turn yeah that that's uh yeah that would be pretty sweet yeah i was playing the Rakano uh inscribe uh card at first just because it, it's a pretty good card and inscribe but then i was like well i'm already playing eight <laughs> eight hours i don't know if i need more sort of right medium cards that that give me power uh so i ended up taking that out i will say i have been pretty successful for this deck but uh with the huge caveat that, that uh i'm in silver right now so i'm about 12 and 1 with the deck um but my some of my opponents are playing cards like Ravenous Thorn Beast <laughs> and stuff. So, so I'm excited to keep playing the deck though, because I, I, I like you enjoy kind of these like little synergy, packaging decks. I mean, it looks really sweet. I would love to take it for a spin. Cool. So let's go to let's go to your decks. All right. So I, I suppose a continuation. Uh, my deck is a little bit. A little bit more going off the rails. You mentioned how you were a little scared uh, to, you know, to to go into the three factions because Olin had these kind of difficult influence considerations. So I'm hearing that, and uh, I decided to go with a four faction <laughs> expedition deck um, using Olin and uh, Summoner Savant. Uh, for my first brew of today. Um, so quickly talking about the deck, we have two alchemy students uh, for battle front dashers, four seek powers, four oni insiders, four uh, scornful elite, 
which I guess is that zero four unit that I was mentioning earlier. Yes. Um, for Exodus, for Olin, for Summoner Savant, for Mila, exchange student, uh, two discovered talents, for Talir, uh, headmistress, two Bodhi and rocks, for uh, Soshenka, for and for Wandering ha- Hamlet. And then a collection of, of um, power cards that likely need some adjusting to make work a little bit better. But um, one of the big things about the deck is I'm, I'm using a lot of Inscribe mm-hmm. uh, to kind of combat the influence requirements of the deck uh, together with four Seek Power. Yes. Um, the yeah. way I kind of saw Olin's position placed in this deck is that ideally I would like to have three things in my hand. A summoner savant, a way to give summoner savant charge, and a big unit to play. And I thought that Olin would be a great way to pick whatever card I didn't have. Yeah, I think it is really, you know, because I think this is one of the things that is holding back summoner savant uh, in Expedition compared to Throne is that in throne you can play the you can play sort of one of the pieces in your market and then just play a bunch of merchants to to get it and oftentimes that is the savant that gets played in the market but sometimes you know people play the the way to give charge in the market or whatever and so that allows the throne version to be a lot more consistent while in in expedition up until now people have just been playing you know you, you just have to draw your four savants naturally almost Right. Um, another, another synergy card that I got super excited about that I tried many different things with, and ultimately I feel like it, it was kind of luckluster in every situation, particularly because of what you're mentioning it. If it's the one card that you need, you kind of need to be able to, to find it really consistently, and then if it's that fragile of a situation, you better be winning that same turn if you're, if you're going to be if you're going to be doing your thing. And Unfortunately, they're just at least yet have not found a way to crack that. So with this deck, the approach was a little bit more, um, I don't want to say grindy, but more consi- going for the consistency avenue and then having some cards like Talir that even if you don't get to do your Savant stuff or if you do get one unit into play with Savant and then your opponent kind of grinds it out or removes it, then you could feasibly make it to six power and Talir would would ramp you the rest of the way to some of the bigger units that you have. Um, I tried to do a couple of different tutor effects between Discover Talents, Olin, so that if you have a Summoner Savant, you're able to get those additional units to play. Um, overall, it was kind of interesting. I, 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 did, I did like the deck. Um, I think it had some merits to it. Um, did you play a few games with it? I did. Um, I, I had one of those moments where I was like, great, I can stop now. We're ahead. We're undefeated. And we were 1-0. <laughs> um, and then we lost a couple. We, lo- we won a few more. Um, I didn't try it on ladder per se because I happened to be uh, in top 10 at the time. So I, I tried it on in the casual queue. And sometimes uh, when you run into more casual opponents, 
they tend to concede a little bit earlier than they should. Um, so I, you know, some ambiguity on similar like lower end, uh, lower ranked uh, folks that may not necessarily be playing more for fun and don't necessarily want to um, care about really winning. So you know, maybe something doesn't go their way and they don't. They're kind of done with the game and they want to go to the next one. Um, but I saw the potential. Uh, things were ticking uh, well a lot of the times. Uh, a little bit difficult of a matchup against the very, very aggressive decks, but high synergy decks tend to have that issue in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did enjoy playing it very, very much. Yeah. To say. How how do you feel like the fire deck? You you know you do have the four scornful elites. So I I feel like that must be pretty good against for giving you a little bit of time against at least the mono fire decks. It, it it does a good job at giving you some time. Um, the the two big problem units are Phoenix and Riva, especially like a double damage Riva. Yeah. Uh, once those start coming into play, it's it's kind of co- like very difficult. And then you're looking to get your Shashenka online like very quickly after that, so that you can deal with them. Uh, but still, um, the Moto Fire deck is tough. I think for many decks in the format not 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 this uh this included um and particularly the charging the charging damage if you are able to hit anything off of uh catalyze then it starts becoming a little bit uh of an impossibility to deal with although scornful elite is actually really good at dealing with the first turn that everything is in play um some of them have been playing this the weapon the unit weapon, the five cost gives plus eight plus zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, I mean, and they've been, I don't know how they managed to fit all those five drops in the deck. Um, they're probably not the better versions of the mono red deck, but when you hit that card off of catalyze, it doesn't matter what you've done to that unit. Um, it is coming in for a huge amounts of damage and it's, it's really difficult <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and do you feel like Expedition has the top end sort of necessary to to sort of grind out games with a, a, a Savant deck? That's another good point. It doesn't necessarily have the best top end units. I think Sashenka is probably the best. Yeah. Um, but Hamlet is is also quite interesting because it makes all your little units like Olin or Savant all of a sudden they're they're pretty formidable units. It also has the the cool effect with Savant that it buffs him, so potentially he doesn't even die the the, the turn that they attack. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not able to be blocked. I also like the Scornful Elite for that reason too. They can't really make a blocker for your Savant um, that turn at least that, that they play it right. Um, uh, and and Bodhi has the ability of being a power and also a big unit. So there, there's there's some merits. Mila can generate a big unit if you want. Uh, well, if if you happen to RNG wise to do it, um, it, it's not as impressive as Throne. But at the same time, you don't have to be as impressive as Throne in order to win expedition games. Right. All right, that's cool. So you, you but you do think you think it merits further exploration i do and i think you know if you're a player that doesn't necessarily you're not 
you're not playing a deck because you 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 want to be winning all the time you just want to have fun which i think honestly is at least 50 percent of what i want to be doing then the mono oh, fire stuff or the 10, creation of top 10 rank camper over here i mean <laughs> i you know we, i am on a competitive team and we you know we test or we try to figure out the, the better things when we play tournaments so if if i especially now for throne for example i'm i'm not trying to climb i'm i'm playing fun stuff and when the format switch and the next tournament is going to be thrown you'll see me playing like silly silly stuff in expedition too um i think this is a very fun deck so if you're if you're looking to to do something just for your enjoyment more than you know objectively wanting to play those like modifier creation type decks if you're like sick of trying to do that then this is also a, a, a direction that you could that you could uh, that you could look at, and of course you could also put, you know, um, creation project in this deck as well. It plays the the appropriate uh, influence <laughs> as well if you if you really want to. Yeah, though uh, you know I I feel like creation project isn't. People talk about creation project where you just need creation project and then seventy one random cards. And I'm not totally convinced Creation Project is that powerful. It's probably not. It's definitely not when everybody knows what the deal is. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the the closest equivalent to this is, um, is Dinosaur Nest, which often goes in the same decks as Creation Project and, and has been nerfed a couple of times, and it's still a good card. Yes. But... When it, when I was preparing for Worlds, um, with uh, Team TBC, we we were collaborating together. We had a few friendly players in both both teams, and then we were a few people were qualified collector, the Overmaster, myself. Um, it was very close to the release of of Dino Nest, and what it became very apparent right away as we were building text and playing is, you either need to play Dino Nest or you need to have an answer to Dino Nest. And if you did pack your deck with 8 to 12 answers to Dino Nest, Dino Nest didn't seem that impressive. Um, however, um, it's because you were packing those 12 answers. So I think, I think Project is the same. Um, mm -hmm. The reason where it doesn't come across as that impressive is because people are prepared for it and they're playing many, many overlapping cards uh, to fight it. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a color combination like Felm that doesn't that is not able to play as many um, very strong interactive cards, although now we have some of the displays which are really good, um, those decks are particularly soft to a to a creation project. Whereas playing against another time deck or another another fire deck, maybe it's not so much of a well, I played creation project, so I won the game kind of card. Right. Though it is interesting specifically that you mentioned film because I do think film seems to be, at least people talk about it this way, as one of the contenders in Expedition currently. Yes. Um, and I think that probably is on the back of um, a very, very strong card, the, the pack. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the, the beginning of the name. I can probably look it up real quick. Direwood Pack Beast or something like that. Yes, Direwood Pack. Um, 
So I think a, a, a big part of the film, the film deck is, is that card. Mm-hmm. Um, El Nadept is strong as well, but, but Direwood Pack is, is, a uh, is incredibly, incredibly strong. Yes. And, and so, so you attribute most of like the people sort of talking about creation project right now as being not as impressive in expedition kind of to just how much has been devoted to keeping it down. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You know, I, I think cause yeah, I, I see where you're coming, you know, with throne, it's really interesting because just like the underlying deck, um, the, <laughs> is so powerful, um, that even when you pack a lot of hate for a creation project, you can still just lose to the deck, but it, that's just like less true in, in expedition. I, I feel, you know, it's, you don't get, uh, like cards like Alessi or abundance. Maybe abundance yep. is an expedition. Abundance is an expedition, but definitely more difficult to make it work. Yeah. Um, in the same way that you can in Throne. Um, one of the ways that I got into top 10 was with a very go wide strategy, ag- aggressive token based or lots of little units based uh, creation deck. Um, and it certainly is not as strong as the, the Throne version. But at the same time, there's less answers um, to those kind of effects in Expedition. So it's a kind of a double-edged, a double-edged uh, sword. Right. All right. Cool. So I guess your last deck, you you brought a throne deck for us for us to try here. And so, what is your throne deck? All right. Uh, this one I think is also an exciting one. Um, this is an eccentric officer deck. Um, so very similar to the to the other uh, to the the three color eccentric officer deck that I played in Worlds, um, but this is just straight Rakano, and it plays eccentric officer in the main deck. I think if you were to see this deck as a whole, it would be kind of difficult to understand what you were trying to do unless unless there was kind of a description that 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 goes with it. I'll quickly go through the deck. Just the card choices, and um, then I'll talk about it a bit. So we have uh, four Warning Shot, uh, four Fire Etchings, four Rakano Blueprints, four Spiny Grenadin, four Torch, four Blazing Salvo, two Jeering Yeti, four Tota Pioneer, four Olin, four Red Canyon Smugglers, three Winchest Merchants, one Eccentric Officer, the namesake of the deck, Four Kairos and four First Flame, which are the combo that you're trying to do in that deck. And Eccentric Officer is is kind of your setup. It's your ability to to make Kairos and First Flame cost a very low amount of power, and therefore you get to be able to get them into play uh, much more easily than you otherwise would. So the point of the deck is you're either going to market to Rujin's choice uh, to put a eccentric officer on top of your deck or better yet you are just hard casting olin uh, and putting officer on the top of your deck the acceleration from olin is 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 very uh, very cool here because it allows you to play officer a turn earlier than you otherwise would mm-hmm. um which is a really big deal when you're 
when you do your combo if you win in the same turn because it shaves an entire turn off of your of your deck and uh and then you're trying to use cards like reweave or plea for aid uh to get your kairos into play because you're not able to otherwise cast it um because it has uh triple fire triple time requirements and so even if it costs one power you still wouldn't be able to to cast it so the most often you're going to reweave a kairos into play it's shifted so it's relatively difficult to deal with if you are playing against sweeper decks then you can time it in a way where you can reweave for it when you have enough power up to um, draw cards and also play uh, the well-costed first flame as well um, and then the rest of the deck is kind of low cost uh, cards that have some kind of utility they have inscribe they they generate power bursts that are essentially a free power for you or, or they're some kind of um, merchant effect to be able to go get uh, the cards that you need from your uh, market and the only card that doesn't quite fit that whole theme is probably the iceberg scattershot that is in the market I, I know i didn't mention the market maybe i should mention that so the market is one reweave one rusion's choice one iceberg scattershot one plea for aid and one rise to the challenge so scattershot is a three one um for four and it says when you play a unit you deal one damage to your opponent um the reason that card is there is because of the difficulty of playing Kairos. Potentially, sometimes, if you're not able to get that reweave or that play frayed because you're playing against a deck that has counter spells, or maybe they were able to deal with your Kairos that you played, then Iceberg Scattershot plus uh, First Flame is another way of of doing some kind of combo. It doesn't quite win on the spot, but it fills your board with three ones. Um, so it's a it's another kind of overlapping effect that you could use to try to win the game with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I guess my one, the one, one question I have for this is, you know, as someone who's played a lot of Eccentric Officer, what caused Eccentric Officer to stop seeing play or being viable? Um, good question. So one problem is uh exploit decks it is very very tough um into uh shadow against shadow decks and there's there were a lot of contra decks there were a lot of decks that that played um that played shadow so much so that i think eventually the eccentric officer deck i had to i had to play cards that i didn't really want to play like um the one cost time card that puts a card from your void on top of your deck so that there I had some kind of answer if eccentric officer got discarded. Mm -hmm. um, this version of the deck is much, much better against those uh, those kind of kind of decks because like I mentioned before, eccentric officers in your deck, you just get to put it on top of your deck and it's very difficult for them to interact with it. Right. And you I have market and main deck ways to do that. So even if you if you do market your Ryzen's choice and even if they somehow deal with that, you still have your main deck outs to that. Exactly. Um, they're discarding your tutor effects at that point. They're not discarding your um, your the actual centerpiece of the entire deck that makes everything tick. 
Um, the other thing with Drusen's choice is it's it's actually a really it's really strong against exploit as well because you you use up your merchant, you go to your market for a Rusian's choice, and you know that that Rusian's choice is going to get you an eccentric or next turn. You have two power up. Your opponent plays exploit. Well, you can respond to that exploit. They don't even have to discard your Rusian's choice because still the card goes on top of your deck. They don't get to interact with that at all. All right, so this deck is sort of solving that one issue that... Um eccentric officer was sort of having yeah that, i think that's the primary part of the of, of this deck um it's a little bit slower but it's a little bit different as well mm-hmm. you know very aggressive decks are still a, a problem but like i mentioned they're, they're a problem for every <laughs> every kind of synergy deck yes so would you say you're probably not super excited to play this into creation project I am not super excited to play this into creation project. No, (laughs) although um, it does, it does have like, you know, spiny grenadine, you've got your warning shot, you've got your salvo and torch. Maybe you can, as they're playing, they're a lefty. You can, you can deal with some stuff, but you know, if they, if they have a turn three, you know, make five units plus abundance for eight or something. I, you know, there's not much that, any deck could really do uh, right. to deal with that at this point, short of playing equalize. Right, exactly. So, w- would you consider this version or the, your three or four color version? Because you you said the other version was maybe faster. So, would that be better against aggressive decks than this version? Do you have a sense um, of that? I mean, my sense is that the other deck is better mm-hmm. than this. Because oftentimes, um, when when you do win against uh, aggressive decks, it feels like you're just winning on the back foot the last possible minute that you can. So if that's the case, then slowing down at all probably means that you're going to be worse. But this has the benefit of maybe going a little bit more under the radar uh, because it's not as known as other ones right. so you can get you get that little bit of a benefit of that unfamiliarity that people might have they don't immediately peg you on i know exactly what you're playing i know how to play against it like if that means that you get an extra turn then you know you're on an even playing field right exactly cool well this is also a, a cool deck to try i think um i think uh, it's I think, a pretty fun one yeah so I think we'll end it there. Uh, you know, we gave uh, a whole bunch of decks to try with Olean. I think this is, you know, when you first suggested Olean, I was like a, a little bit ner- nervous because I wasn't sure what ways to take it. But like the more you think about it and the more you look at cards and, um, you know, even as you said, just like looking at four drops, five drops that you want, you know, like, there's so many dimensions to this card. I think this is a card that is worth continuing to explore. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So I just want to do a, before we end the episode, a quick shout out to, to the patrons of the show. Um, if you aren't a patron, you can always become one. Uh, we're at patreon.com slash farming eternal. And, uh, 
and these are the people that have kept uh, kept the show going for three plus years now. So thank you to D Dub, uh, John, Demo, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Loki, Trickster, Mercurial Blue, Abednego, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman Two, Twin Hex, Jed the Hamred, Raven Dragon, Esrich Zero Two One Five, Sunblaze, Worked on Sun, and Yes Stout. And uh, thank you to you, uh, Straight, for coming on again. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. All right. Have a good night, everyone.